I'm so happy that you guys are here with us worshiping together. Um, I probably made a mistake by letting you guys sit down because we're about to stand up for the reading of the word, but we're in a series called I Fear God. Before we get into that series, I just want to say happy Black History Month. It's an incredible time. Yeah. I know that I would not be here if not for many, many men and women who sacrificed and suffered and went before me. This platform would not be accessible to somebody like me if not for people who went before me. And for that, I'm grateful. It's a time that we can acknowledge, celebrate, represent, see, hear, and listen to the sufferings, the stories, and the experiences of black and African-American people all across our nation. So thank you for going before me. And in a way, our house is filled with honor. Pastor Corey already did it. And if you don't know, Pastor Danelle and Sean Perkins are here in the room with us. They're family to us. Pastor Sean and Danelle have been at our church for decades. They're people that I get the privilege of calling auntie and uncle. They're family. And they planted Rise Community Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina a few years ago, which is a blessing. And by the reception that they have, how long ago did y'all plant? three years ago, they are, their ministry still has an impact on this church to this day. They are seriously, seriously, in the most real way, fathers and mothers in our house. We love you guys. We honor you. Thank you guys so much. Love you guys. So now, would you stand with me in the reading of the word? We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33, verses 5 and 6. We stand to honor the word of God as the authority over our lives. And it says this, Isaiah chapter 33, verse 5 and 6. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. And he will be the stability of your times. Abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. And here it is, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And that's just what I want to talk about for the next few minutes this morning. Just the title of the message is My Treasure. Would you pray with me for a minute? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us. We're asking, Lord, that we would be a place where you feel comfortable not just to land but to stay. Stay with us. Stay with our church. Minister unto us as we minister unto you. We know that there is no other ministry that is truly needed other than yours. So we free ourselves so that we might hear you. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear the word so that faith could rise up in our hearts and we could trust you. Lord, if you're not glorified in any other place, would you be glorified in this place? And oh Lord, if you are not glorified in any other heart, would you be glorified in this heart? Holy Father, we love you so much. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Love you guys. You guys can take your seats. Amen. Amen. 
We are in a series currently called I Fear God. This series is talking about the fear of the Lord, the fear of God, and not the unholy, unrighteous, unbiblical fear of God that says I am scared of him, but the righteous, holy, good, biblical fear of God that sees who he is, sees who I am, notices the difference, and says, whoa, You're holy and righteous and good and different than me. And so you are the person whom I should fear. Not in that I am afraid of you, but I'm actually drawn towards you because of your holiness. We've spoken for the past few weeks about that. And today we're going to get into what Isaiah prophesies to the people of Israel. Isaiah is a prophet prophesying to the people of God. And the book of Isaiah is a really interesting book because it's kind of a mixed bag between hope and judgment recurring in that Israel is disobeying God and God brings judgment on them. And yet God is faithful to his people and redeems them and continues to move the covenant that he made with them forward. He promises that there will be a burning, a purifying of Israel, and there will be a stump, a root of Jesse, where he will bring forth this man who is going to crush the serpent's head, but the serpent will bruise his heel, prophesying about Jesus. And Isaiah is prophesying to these people because they have this issue that they keep turning away from God. They move towards idolatry, and in essence, they move away from Yahweh, from God, moving away from the covenant that he's made with them. Zion is just a word that essentially just means Jerusalem, God's chosen people. And so Isaiah actually says that the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And if you're like me, You get to this point in scripture and you start asking questions, not accusing God, but questioning why is this in here? Because it says the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. Did Israel actually treasure the fear of God? That's the question that I started to ask myself. Did Israel actually fear the Lord? The result I see in scripture is not all the time. It doesn't seem like Israel often feared God. It didn't seem like they treasured, let alone the fear of the Lord. And what is treasuring if not valuing something so much that you pursue it and you guard it? You find something to be so valuable that you will do whatever it takes to pursue that thing and to guard that thing. You know because you treasure your families. So you value them and so you pursue them and you guard them. You, pursue, you, you, you uh, treasure your money, some of us. So we pursue money and we guard money. Some of us pursue or treasure our friends and our careers and our influence and our bodies. And because of that, we pursue it. And we guard it because of the value that it has towards us. But here's the interesting question. Did Israel actually treasure the fear of the Lord? It doesn't seem like it. The reason I say that is because Israel, we know, did not trust God fully. And trust is inherent in treasure. 
Israel's life with Yahweh was more so like a roller coaster, that they would be up one minute and down the next. They would be going this way one minute, and then they'd like almost do a loop-de-loop. And then it seems like they were going backwards at some point, and then they were going forward. And it was like this moment where they would trust God, kind of. They would mistrust God. God would judge them. They would repent, and then they would trust God, kind of. Then they would mistrust God. They, God would judge them. They would repent. Then they would trust God. Kind, and it was this cycle that they kept on going through. Doesn't that sound familiar? I trust God, kind of. I mistrust God. God judges. I repent. And then I trust God, kind of. Israel was on this roller coaster with him. And then they end up not trusting Yahweh at all. They end up actually in Isaiah over the course of their history trusting a lot of other nations. Assyria, Egypt, ultimately Babylon. And as they were trusting all of these other places, it comes to, and I start to understand that they would try and get their help from other people rather than looking to Yahweh for their help. Israel had treasured the fear of Assyria and Egypt and Babylon more than they had treasured the fear of God. And I've noticed in the scriptures that fear and hope are actually connected. Why? Because Israel feared Assyria, Egypt, and Babylon, ultimately. Therefore, they put their hope that if we are friends with Assyria, Egypt, and Babylon, then we'll be okay. They feared their situation, so they put hope that if their situation got better, then they would be okay. And we, in the same way, fear some of our situations. We fear our money. So if my money gets better, if I hope that my money gets better, then I'm ultimately going to be okay. They feared their situation. They didn't fear God. Why? They believed that it was actually more valuable to put emphasis and efforts to pursue and guard their connections, their policies, and their politics more than God. So he's prophesying to a scared people. And this actually produced an anxious people who refused to go towards God until they had no other choice. It says that Yahweh was the stability of their times. You get to the point in your life yet where you're done asking for fancy blessings. You just want boring ones. You know what I mean? Like, like you remember the time when you would really ask God for the fancy blessings. God, I want to be rich. I want to be powerful. I want to be hot. I want to have influence. I want all these things. You never prayed to be hot? Shut up. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you want all these fancy blessings? Am I allowed to say shut up, Pastor Danelle? I don't know. I can't. And we ask for all these fancy blessings. God, give me all of these things. God's blessing actually for Israel is stability. You ever get tired of the fancy blessings and just want the boring ones of stability? When you want, you know, you know, you want the blessing of stability and you value the blessing of stability when your life has been unstable and you realize that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But when God is my stability, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but I won't be shaken. Because he is my stability. He, Israel's gotten to this point where they're, they need to start asking God for the, the boring blessings. Blessings of stability. You remember when Paul uh, told the church at Thessalonica, I was just talking to my friends about this, that um, remember what he said? 
You know what your aim should be? Your aim should be just to live a quiet life. I have never resonated with something more. Just give me a quiet life, God. Just give me a stable, quiet life. Now, that does not mean that it's a life full of tr- free of trouble. That means it's a life full of God. That is their stability, and that's what Yahweh is promising to give to Israel. And, and the reason I believe God is promising to give them Stability is because they were looking for stability everywhere else. And when you're desperate, you will grab onto anything that makes you feel more stable. The reason is because I believe that insecurity loves security. I was uh, on a flight recently, um, (laughs) and I was going to seminary in the Philippines. And so we had this connection flight in Korea that was going towards the Philippines, probably like a three or four hour flight. And as we were on this flight, it was like one of the worst flights I've ever been on. And if you know me, you know I don't like flying. And I don't have like a fear of it, but I definitely don't like it. Partially because I don't understand it. How are we flying? You know what I mean? <laughs> don't act like you know, because you don't know as much as I don't know. It's, it's the power of lift. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. And so we're, we're flying and like, we're flying from the Korea to the Philippines. And this was the worst flight I have ever been on. It was like turbulence from as soon as the, we take off to as soon as we land. It was like shaking. And I'm not talking about like, oh man, create a little simple turbulence. I'm talking like they served food and like trays were out in the aisles. Like people were falling over, like flight attendants in their jump seats, like everybody's freaking out. It's getting to the point where we're just like, I don't know if we're going to make it kind of thing. And people are like screaming at this point. You ever been on a flight where people are screaming? Like people are terrified. And it got to the point so bad where we were screaming in the beginning and then a little bit into the flight, the turbulence didn't stop, but everyone just got quiet. We're all like, oh yeah, this might be it. So we're just quiet in this plane together. This was the funniest part. As soon as we landed, uh, it was a Korean air and I don't speak Korean. I was sitting next to this Korean man and we did not say a word to each other the entire flight. But as soon as we landed, we looked at each other and we went, and we just tapped each other up. And we're like, we made it. You ever been on a flight like that? The reason why, it was the funniest thing. Because as the flight was going crazy, I looked around and I saw everybody just doing this. <sighs> they were like grabbing onto the seats. Now, what's the seat going to do if we go down? <laughs> the seat's not going to do anything. Like if we're going down, we're going down. But all of us are like grabbing onto the seats and we're just like hoping. Why? Because insecurity loves security. When we feel out of control, we will grab onto anything that makes us feel in control. For me, it was grabbing onto the seats, hoping that that gave me a sense of security. For Israel, it was grabbing on to Egypt and Assyria and Babylon, treasuring the fear of other nations rather than treasuring the fear of God. I don't know what you grab onto, but when you realize an insecurity, just know that insecurity is simply revealing a wrong security. You are placing hope in something that cannot save you. Isaiah is saying, you need to treasure the fear of the Lord. 
Now, why should we treasure the fear of the Lord? I'm just going to fire off a lot of verses at you. It's because Psalm 19 says, the fear of the Lord makes you clean. Deuteronomy 6 says, the fear of the Lord is for our good. Psalm 31 says, we receive God's goodness when we are in the fear of God. Psalm 34 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Psalm 85 says, God's salvation is near to them. Psalm 145 says, God fulfills the desires of those who fear God. Luke 1 says God's mercy is on them. Psalm 25 says God's secret is with them. Psalm 111 says wisdom and understanding and knowledge is with them who fear God. Psalm 33 says the eyes of the Lord will be upon those who fear God. But there's one that's my favorite, and I want to be the actual motivation of our treasuring of the fear of God. It's in Isaiah chapter 11. And amongst all of those gifts and why we should treasure the fear of God, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 and 3 says this, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, him being Jesus, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And hear this, And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what he sees, by what his eyes see, or decide disputes, but what his ears hear. The reason why we treasure the fear of God is because Jesus delights in the fear of God. Did you know that Jesus feared God? The Son of God feared God. Now, not in a way that he is afraid of him. No, in a way that he recognizes who he is. Even Jesus feared God and didn't just fear him, but delighted in the fear of God. So if Jesus delights in the fear of God, then the fear of God ought to be our treasure. You can tell a lot about somebody by what they love. Jesus even said that you can tell somebody's, you, you show me, he said, you, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you show me where your treasure is, I will show you where your love is. You can tell a lot about a person by what they love. See, the Christian who is after God's heart makes it their life mission for God to delight in them and them to delight in God. Did you know that Jesus delights in certain things? That might be new news for you, but Jesus actually, there are things that make him happy, get him excited. He delights in certain things. And if Jesus delights in certain things, wouldn't it make sense to understand also that Jesus is disgusted by certain things? The f- treasuring the fear of God is not just delighting in what Jesus delights in. It's also being disgusted by what Jesus is disgusted by. His delight needs to be our treasure. And at best, some of us, if we're being honest, we are apathetic about what Jesus is disgusted by. And at worst, some of us are entertained by it. We are entertained and find joy in what Jesus is disgusted by. What is Jesus disgusted by? Jesus is disgusted by sin. Now, this does not mean Jesus is disgusted by sinners. There is a difference. Jesus loves sinners. Now, Jesus hates sin. 
And I surely hope that you can make a separation between the two as well. We are not people who say, yeah, those sinners, get them out of here. We don't, no, 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 no. Jesus loves them. He hates the sin. And I surely hope that you can make a distinction between the sin and the sinner because that's exactly what Jesus did with you. He separated you from your sin. Do you remember? If you're in Christ Jesus, he says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I separated your sin from you. You are not connected to it anymore. So that means that I delight in what Jesus is delighted in. People. He loves people. The fear of the Lord. He loves the fear of the Lord. And he's disgusted by sin, not by sinners. He loves sinners. So for us to treasure the fear of God, we need to delight in what he delights in and be disgusted by what he's disgusted by. And he is disgusted with sin. It says righteousness and justice. That's what he's committed to. He loves righteousness and justice. His delight is in the fear of God. I believe you could read this one of two ways, and I believe both are true, that Jesus' delight is in the fear of God, which either means he finds his delight in fearing God, or in fearing God, he finds his delight. Either are true. Either he finds his delight just in the reality that fearing him is delightful. Or, while I fear him, I find delight. Either are true. And if that's true, then... We can find our delight in fearing God, or in fearing God, we can find our delight. What, do you know that you can live in a world where you delight in God and God delights in you? Some of our Christianity is just spent trying not to make God mad. And we're, we're like, it's, it's the rules, it's, it's the religion, it's, it's the morality. I just got to make sure I, I, I dot my I's and I cross my T's and I do everything he tells me to do and I don't do anything he doesn't tell me. Listen, there is a much fuller Christian life for you than just not making God mad. You can delight in him and he can delight in you. You can smile at him and he can smile back at you. You can make him happy and he can make you happy. And it becomes this revolving door of delight where you're just happy with him and he's happy with you and you're smiling at him. And he's smiling at you and you're like, whoa, I didn't know, I didn't know Christian life could be like that. It comes when we treasure the fear of the Lord. It says that, in the spirit of knowledge and understanding, he delights in the fear of the Lord, which leads me to understand that he understood and acknowledged the fear of God, therefore he delighted in it, which tells me if I don't delight in it, I just might not understand it. If I'm not delighting in the fear of God, making it my treasure, I just simply do not understand the fear of God. Because Jesus understood it, therefore he delighted in it. For us to delight in it, we simply have to understand it. I believe that fearing God, treasuring the fear of God and making our delight the fear of God is so important because I believe that it keeps you. If we do treasure the fear of God, it keeps us from idolatry and it keeps us for intimacy. And if we don't, treasure the fear of God. It keeps us for idolatry and from intimacy. 
Do you remember in Exodus chapter 32, there's this point in Israel's history where They've gotten out of the, uh, Egypt, going into the promised land, but they're not there yet. And it's right after Exodus uh, 20, where uh, uh, God invites the people of Israel up to Sinai. He says, come and meet me. Moses comes and he's like, hey, it's time for us to officially meet God. It's going to be amazing. Israel looks at Moses and they're like, no, 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 no. There's like fire and smoke and, and we're terrified and we don't want to go near God. You just tell us what he says. Moses says, Okay. Moses goes up the mountain, breaks God's heart. I believe it breaks Moses' heart. Moses goes up the mountain to meet God. Israel stays at the bottom. While Moses is up there, he has this amazing conversation with God where God is telling him like what to do with social justice and, and what to do with the priests and the tabernacle and, and, and what you do with the Sabbath and, and how we build altars and, and how to worship him and how to be in relationship with him. He's giving him exactly what he needs to be in intimacy with God. And guess what Israel's doing meanwhile on the ground? Remember Exodus 32? They're building a different God. A golden calf. They saw Moses go up there. They're afraid of God. They don't like what's going on, evidently. And so they say, let's just in case make a new one. So you build this golden calf. Moses comes down. He deals with it. And when we don't have the fear of God and treasure it, like Israel didn't, we will do exactly what Israel did. Because when you do not treasure the fear of God, the first thing to leave is intimacy. And the first thing to grow is idolatry. Israel didn't treasure the fear of the Lord. Therefore, the first thing that they did was build an idol and leave Yahweh. But if you treasure the fear of God, the first thing to grow is intimacy. And God will get rid of all of your idolatry. Well, idolatry is so important because it's the thing that really God said first. Martin Luther actually said it this way. He said, the first commandment is the first commandment because it's the first commandment. Very smart. <laughs> but what is the first commandment? He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Martin Luther is saying that the first commandment is the first commandment is, the, is because the first commandment. He's saying it's the first commandment because you cannot break any of the other ones unless you first break that one. If you want to break any of the other commandments, you first have to have a God before Yahweh. As if to say, before you ever disobey God, you must first dethrone God. And how many times do we dethrone God in our own lives? Maybe not with golden calves, but with careers. Maybe not with golden calves, but with relationships. Maybe not with golden calves, but with myself. That I have taken God out of his rightful position and I have placed something else there. And I have therefore disobeyed the first commandment. And firstly, I have dethroned God, taken him off of his throne and the authority of my life, taken him out of the captain's chair and put myself there. Why? Because when we don't treasure, value, guard, and pursue the fear of God in our lives, in our church, in our small group, in our families, the first thing to leave is intimacy. 
but the first thing to grow is idolatry. See, fearing God and doing what he says are connected. You cannot fear God and then not do what he says. And that probably doesn't make sense to the world. The world probably says, well, if you fear God, doesn't that mean like you can't do what you want to do? Like, like, doesn't that take away your freedoms? Like, you should be able to do whatever you want to do. And if God is trying to, like, keep you from doing what you want to do, then that doesn't sound like a good thing you ought to treasure to me. And I've never heard a truer statement in this that one man's treasure is another man's trash. I absolutely treasure the fear of God. And to some people, that will look like trash. They will think that you are wasting your freedom, your liberties, your life, and you ought to be doing something else. See, I've given up the right, this church has given up its right to decide what's best for me, for me. We are not in control of our own lives. And Jesus even said, he said, I don't even think it's a good idea. It's not wise. Why? Because those who aim to keep their life will lose it. But those who actually lose their life for Jesus' sake and for the gospels, they will actually find it. So, yes, I will treasure the fear of God and take myself out of the center of my own universe. And I will prioritize him. This church will prioritize and treasure, guard and pursue the fear of God. Because we don't want to be away from him. It's this reality that... What sin does is sin separates you from God. That's what it does. That's what it did in the garden. You remember in the garden, as soon as Adam and Eve, they were placed in this utopia, this great, amazing relationship with everything that they needed with God. And what happens is that they do the one thing that they're not allowed to do. And then it says in uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, listen to this. And he said, Adam... I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. This is after he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He was afraid, so he hid himself. See, Adam and Eve did not treasure the fear of God. Did you notice that the first thing, one of the first things that man ever does is run away and hide from God? And did you notice that one of the first things that God ever does is pursue and find man? And so it repeats all throughout the scriptures, and so it repeats sometimes throughout our lives, that often we will hide and run away from God because we are afraid. We don't fear him. We don't have a holy, righteous, biblical fear of God. We're afraid of him. We're afraid of him because we think he's going to do something bad to us. It says this, and this is why we know that Adam and Eve did not treasure the fear of God because it says this, fear in the scriptures has to do with punishment. Adam and Eve were afraid they were going to be punished by God, so they hid and they ran away. But it says that perfect love casts out all fear. So Adam and Eve did not treasure the fear of the Lord, and so they didn't understand that God was not pursuing them to punish them. God was pursuing them to show them mercy. And it's the reality of our lives that some of us think we're running from the punishment of God, but you're actually running from the mercy of God. 
He's pursuing you, but not to punish you. What if he is so good that he's pursuing you to show you mercy? I want to end with a story. Two stories, actually. Um, A story of one treasure, but two men. In Mark chapter 10, we find the story of a man who we don't know much about except these three things, that he's one rich, two young, and three a ruler. He approaches Jesus in his ministry, and he comes in, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus looks at him, and he says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. This isn't Jesus saying he's not God. This is Jesus asking him, oh, do you think I'm God? Interesting. He says, well, you need to keep these commandments. And the man says, oh, Jesus, I've done those things, and I've even kept them from my youth. Jesus says, all right, and this is beautiful. This is Mark chapter 10. Jesus looking at him, he loved him. And then Jesus says, one thing you lack. You need to sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then you can come and follow me. Next thing we see with the man is that he looks around at all of his possessions. And the scripture says that he walks away sad because he had many possessions. The rich young ruler, I do not believe, is a story about faith as much as it is a story about fear. He had faith that Jesus was somebody, but he didn't treasure the fear of the Lord. He was more afraid of losing what he had than losing God. Because he thought to himself, I'm not sure that God can be as good to me as I can be to me. He was more afraid of losing what he had built for himself than he was about losing God. And then there's a story in Matthew chapter 14, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, a similar story with a similar nameless man in a similar treasure. It just says this one verse, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. Two men, two emotions, two responses, one treasure. What was it about the second man that he was more concerned with getting the treasure than losing it? It wasn't a matter of faith. It wasn't a matter of the treasure. The treasure was the same. It's that this man treasured the fear of the Lord. And he said to himself, I would rather lose everything that I have and get you than lose you and keep everything that I have. I am more afraid of losing you than losing this. I'm more afraid of being without you than I am of having my stuff. I'm not afraid of God. I'm terrified of being away from God. Because there were two men who both found a treasure. They both had a response. One was sad. One was joyful. They both were called to sell everything that they had. And one didn't. And what did? The issue was not faith, friends. The issue was fear. 
They were afraid. And one was afraid of losing their stuff. Well, the other was afraid of losing God. He treasured the fear of the Lord. So he pursued it and he guarded it because of its immeasurable value. And listen, your yes to Jesus always comes second to his yes to you. He has already called you valuable, daughter. He has already called you treasured, son. So much so that he gave his own life for you, that you might be in relationship with him. He died a brutal death so that you could be in intimate relationship with him. And treasuring the fear of God is simply saying, God, I am not afraid of you. You're far too good for me to be scared of. I am terrified of being away from you. So, I will obey you. I will trust you. I will pursue you. And I will guard everything that I can that stops me from being close to you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, make us a people that treasure the fear of God. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would persuade us right now that nobody in this room would feel the need to muster up their own faith. But, oh, Holy Spirit, persuade us. Convince us. Win us over, Holy Spirit, with treasuring the fear of God. Bring it alive in our, li- in our lives. Bring it alive in our hearts. Keep us, Holy Spirit, from idolatry and keep us for intimacy.